My name is Julie Turney, and this is HR Sound Off, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent HR topics. But ultimately, we will be settling some of the many misconceptions that people have about the human resources profession. Some weeks you will hear from my guests, and other times it will be just you and me in the sound booth. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's sound off. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to HR Sound Off. Today, in the sound booth with me is one of my favorite HR podcasters. I almost feel a little bit nervous interviewing her just because she's such a pro and I'm so new at this. I would like you guys to be a fly on the wall at the conversation that happens after we record this podcast, just for her to hear how much criticism she's going to have. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) But if you are a fan of the HR Social Hour, you would have heard a previous episode of HR Sound Off where I interviewed John Thurmond, which is Wendy's other half um, partner in crime on that show. And and John would have also alluded to the fact that they do their podcast separately on other shows. And so today, I am happy to have in the sound booth, Ms. Wendy Daly. <laughs> I am Wendy. so excited to be hold, here, Julie. Hold, hold a second. I got to give you your fanfare, my friend. That's all for you. That's all, that's all for you, my friend. That's I love it. I absolutely <laughs> love it. <laughs> Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Wendy describes herself as a talent acquisition professional, HR podcaster, and HR blogger. Like I said, if you are not following the HR social hour, there's something wrong with you. Number one, (laughs) you need to get that fixed right now. They have an amazing community on Twitter. Wendy and John have a chat every other Sunday, is it? Mm Second and fourth Sundays yes, of yes. the month. Yep. Second and fourth Sunday of the month on Twitter. The conversation is always buzzing. You get to talk to all kinds of HR professionals in that Twitterverse right there. And Wendy and John have given you a safe space to do that with the hashtag HR Social Hour. So make sure you're following that hashtag on Twitter, hashtag HR Social Hour. We are going to talk about talent acquisition. We're going to talk about the HR social hour. We're going to get a little to know Wendy just a little bit more because, yeah, that's important. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So, Wendy, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get here in terms of your journey through HR? Wow, that's that's such a loaded question. Um, (laughs) You know, it's... HR was never uh, in my in my field of in my vision. Um, when I think back to when I was, you know, younger. But I mean, you know, who, who dreams of HR as a child? Um, you know, <laughs> one of those things I'm trying to change, Wendy. I believe it should be in our hopes and dreams and aspirations. <laughs> I, you know, I, I do too, and and it's just it's. You know, my mom and I had this conversation once about just the opportunities that are out there. I mean, the world is completely different from, you know, when she was getting out of high school and, and went to college, she could be a nurse or a teacher, essentially, mm-hmm. you know. 
Um, there were probably even there were a few others, but that was that was in your realms. When I got to college, there was a whole a whole new world opened up. And now, I mean, we're looking at work, work completely differently. So who knows what will be there when when my girls um, are, are up and about. But um, so my original plan was to go to law school. Um, I, I wanted to be an attorney. I didn't know what kind of attorney. Um, I kind of had this vision in my head from, um, I'm so dating myself, but Working Girl and those kind of movies where you had high-powered women and they were wearing their business suits and they were running through the streets of New York with their tennis shoes on, carrying their heels, you know. Yeah. Um, that's what I thought of when I thought of business. Okay. Um, Never, well, and I, I lived in some bigger cities, but um, yeah, so that was my plan. And then I got out of uh, college and I was like, I really don't want to go right back into school. So I went out and worked for a bit, moved to Colorado and worked for some attorneys, did some paralegal stuff. And I'm like, maybe I don't want to do this. Maybe this <laughs> isn't where, maybe the law isn't what I want to do. Uh -huh. um, so I, uh, I say I retired from that at, you know, the ripe old age of 24, 25, okay. um, put, put the legal field behind me and um, just started doing odd jobs. I was working at Target. I was doing like concert security. Yeah. Um, and I started working for the airlines. And so I was doing, you know, customer service, baggage service type stuff, um, office work. And my boss's wife, worked in recruitment at, um, uh, at, at, it was United Airlines. Okay. And, oh, um, gosh. so she, um, he got me an interview. Um, and this, you know, I always tell people it is who, you know, it really is. Yes. You still have to get the job, Yeah. but they open that door for you. There's, yes. there's you so much of the that. work. Yeah. Yeah. You still have to do the work. You still have to meet the qualifications. You know, if I yeah. didn't have the qualifications, he wouldn't have recommended me for the job. Yeah. Um, but she did recruitment for baggage service, customer service, reservation agents. <clears throat> Back when you still called people to make an airline reservation. <laughs> <laughs> so I hired those people for the Denver area. Um, okay. And then some of the smaller airports around as well. So I would go to like Omaha and Billings, Montana and Las Vegas, which is Vegas when you have zero money, not a lot of fun. Not, but not, 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 <laughs> probably not, probably not. No, but so that's where, I, that's where I had um, kind of found my niche. I liked it. I liked recruiting. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I was thinking about it. I, I'm not going to, I won't share it here, but right. I have a story from those days that I'm going to share for your book. Oh, yes. Yes. Bring it. Bring Back it. in my early days. Okay. Um, yeah. So <laughs> we were talking the other day and I'm like, oh, that's a perfect story. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so you I get was. random like that. <laughs> it is. It is. Which is just awesome. Like, oh, this is such a great story of just how to get into the right mindset when you're recruiting mm -hmm. um, and, and what a recruiter should do. And, you know, some of the things that, that are our life. Okay. Um, so I did that and then I did some project work and then nine 11 happened mm. and um, United laid off like 20,000 people. Wow. I was included in that number. Mm -hmm. um, but that, um, so I, my husband was living my then he was my boyfriend now husband, who was living right. in Grand Rapids, Michigan at the time. Okay. So I moved to Michigan. 
Okay. Why not? Why not? Why not? I wasn't working. I didn't have anything else to do. Um, so we, I moved with, in, with him in, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and um, did some temp work. And then I found a job with a, um, with a hospital okay. in the recruitment team. Um, and so that's how I got into healthcare mm-hmm. recruitment was yay temp jobs. Yeah. <laughs> you never, again, yes. you never quite know. Never know. Never know. And we were kind of getting in the groove there. And my husband got an opportunity to move to Virginia mm. um, to teach. So we moved to Richmond, Virginia, which is where John is, but we did not know each other at the time, which I just ah, is hysterical. What a coinkininky. It is. It is. Um, so we were there for a few years. I found a position in, in a healthcare organization doing recruitment. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my husband and I were like, mm, this is not where we want to spend the rest of our lives. We are not Southern people. We don't, we were, as we talked about earlier, I'm not a hot yeah. weather person. Sorry, John. Hello. Sorry, John. Sorry. <laughs> I'll come visit. We're working on we plan and visit out there, go back. And, um, but I'm like, I, we just, we couldn't live there anymore. So right. we picked some States that we were interested in moving to. And, um, uh, one of them was Montana cause we wanted to go West, North and West, um, right. So I actually found a job in Montana at a healthcare organization recruiting. Mm-hmm. And um, so we moved to Montana and okay. kind of were there um, for a while uh, until he finished his doctorate and really wanted to teach back here in South Dakota. So we came back, came back. and I worked in the, at the university, local university for about five years. Um, mm-hmm. And then an opportunity with my current organization came up and again, someone I knew recommended me for the position, mm-hmm. got that door open for me. Right. Um, you know, it's because larger organizations are kind of hard to get into at that yes. recruiter level, you know, mm-hmm. yes, because they do a good job of promoting from within. Yes. You can, it's a hard, yeah, hard fault, fault them for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can't fault them for that, but Absolutely I am, not. I am so happy to be back in healthcare recruiting. I'm happy to be back in recruiting. Yes. Um, and, and being able to, to think through problems and be creative. And, you know, one of the things that we are challenged with in our organization is doing things differently, doing them better. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're in an atmosphere where it's okay. It's, there's no really no such thing as failure. It's just no. that idea didn't work. Yes. So being able to have conversations like this with you, Julie, where, you know, I'm going to, I'm come away. I'm going to come away from this and be like, go to my boss. I'm like, I want to research this. We need to look down this route, blah, yes. blah, you know, so I'm yes. kind of, I love these conversations for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of the long version of the story of We're quite okay with the long <laughs> version talent, of the story. We're quite okay acquisition. with that. <laughs> but I think, you know, and I think it's, it, it's not something, a lot of people look at it as an, that entry point into, um, into HR and we are HR. Hello, yeah. HR people. Yes. Hello. Yep. Yes. Generalists, we're, we're HR too. We're just right. specialized. Yes. And I, I like being specialized in it. I like that um, helping people get in, you know, helping fill those roles and, yes. you know, filling it the right way the yes. first time, <laughs> doing it better, Absolutely. doing it better. That's, that's where I'm at now. And I'm just so excited to have these conversations with you. <laughs> awesome. I am very excited to thank you so much for sharing the long version of your story. <laughs> we really appreciate that. 
But um, there are so many things that you've said in there that I want to kind of like peel back a little bit. Yeah. You talked about people opening doors for you. And I think that a lot of times, especially when we're trying to get in bigger organizations where there may not be advertising because as you rightly said, they're doing a great job hiring from within. When that door is open for you, what are some of the things that that you should be looking at in terms of preparing yourself for that interview to get to the next level without the help of someone else? Sure. You you know, I think that's... um, there's always help. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, you, you just, you have your insider, you have, you have the secret sauce right there with your friend, with your contact to say, what are they looking for? What, you know, yeah. what should I put something specific in my cover letter? Should I put something, what should I be sure to cover in my, um, in, in the interview? Are there mm-hmm. things specific that I have don't lie. Don't make up stuff just to fit. Yeah. You know, what, what do I have that you think would be that make you think makes me a good per- person for this role. And, um, the, the gal that helped me get in where I am now, you know, she and I talked about it a little bit and she gave mm-hmm. me pointers and said, Hey, you know, this is something they're really, they're looking at. This is what right. they're looking for. Um, so you'll want to highlight this or this. And, um, she's actually someone I know through disrupt. Ah, so yeah, small world. That's right. Um, so that's one of those things too, you know, it was like, oh, well, you've, you've done this and this with disrupt and you've, you know, you've or planned this or this event, you've done these. Right. So talk about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where, I, I think that's where we fall down a lot is we think, yeah. you know, once the door is open, yeah, you still have to go through, but they mm-hmm. can help you through. Um, this is the world. No one gets anywhere on their own. No. No, you know, and so I'm listening to, um, so you want to talk about race by, mm-hmm. um, oh, I can't think of her name. It's blanking. Um, Ouija, uh, um, oh, it'll come. It'll come. Let me see um, if I can help you. <laughs> Google it quick. Um, but one of the things she talks about privilege in it and right. how, none of us got to where we are on our own and we each have different privileges that help get us to where we need to be. And so we need to um, be aware of those. We need to be looking for those because mm-hmm. it's so easy to think I did this all by myself. Um, and not that it, it shouldn't take anything away from your success to say that right. helped you. Yes. I, and I, I get it. <laughs> I, we've been, I've been there too. It's like, I did this all by myself. Like, oh. <laughs> somebody had to teach me how to do this and someone had to teach me how to do this and someone had to help give me a hand here. Yes. Um, even if it's, you know, going to the bank and getting a loan or, you know, so many different places where you, you cannot do it alone. And we no. need to be, we need to be okay with that. And we need exactly. to be okay with, because someone giving you a hand, helping you find a job that you're qualified for mm-hmm. is not the same as nepotism. No. Think that's what people get wrong is they think that oh they're just they like me so they're giving me this job no you you earned the job but you had help along the way exactly exactly and I'm glad that you you made that statement about it's not the same thing as nepotism yeah at all if you have 
gotten your foot through the door because someone helped you, but you had to do the rest of the work in order mm-hmm. to solidify that seal, the deal. Yeah. And, you know, you've done your part as well. Yeah. But I I do think like, especially in this particular season that we are in with COVID-19, a lot of people have lost their jobs. Mm -hmm. I think that this is one of the great ways that people can tap into their resources to get the help that they need if you're looking for work. So it's not necessarily about this is the time for everybody to be an entrepreneur and open their own business. (laughs) But this is a great time to tap into the resources that you have, the colleagues that you have, the networks that you have. And this is where I talk a lot about the power of LinkedIn, because at this stage, like if I was jobless right now, I'd be tapping into every resource that I have on LinkedIn saying, look, Mm -hmm. guys, I'm currently unemployed. This is what I'm, this is my jam. If you know anything, if your organization has anything, you know, put in a word for me. Send me the application. <laughs> Even if your organization is hiring internally, make a recommendation for me. Mm-hmm. You know, give me a plug. This yep. is this is this is that time. This is that time to look at those resources. If you know, going through the job centers, looking at job boards, yeah. looking on those websites is not working for you. Tap into the people that you know. So I thank you so much for sharing that, Wendy, because I think that a lot of people don't necessarily think about that. Right. Or they don't. No. no. <laughs> they don't. And it's yeah. hard. I mean, I, and I get that it's hard. I really do. Um, because, and, and I know it's a, across the U.S. where it is this idea that you can pull yourself up from your bootstraps and you can do it all yourself. And I, I was there. I didn't yeah. understand. I thought I had to do it all myself. Mm-hmm. And you don't think about all the little things that happen along the way. No. Help get you where you want to be and where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and helping you with that. And I think that's where, you know, that's a lot of the success of the social hour too, yes. is we don't pay for ads. <laughs> you know, we're not putting ads out on Facebook and Twitter or those we've tried some boosted posts, but it's that word of mouth. It's that community. It's that, yes. that building your friendships and, and the relationships. And, um, and that's one of the, I think that's the, the beauty of what we do is we make mm-hmm. some connections. And Absolutely. there's a lot of people we talk to that, oh, I want to be on your show. Great. Join the community. Join the community first and then yes. on the show. Then we'll have a conversation. Then we'll yeah. have a conversation because Absolutely. we want to know, we want to know who you are. We want yeah. to, we want to be, um, you know, we, we want you to be a part of, part of us. And that doesn't mean that you've listened to every episode or you've, you've joined every Twitter chat. There are other ways to join the community without that, because we are, all on social media. That's yep. that's where we are. Exactly. Twitter. I'm working Not hard to find. <laughs> yeah. If you say you can't find us, um, something's wrong. You're not paying attention. Absolutely. Um, we joke about that with like the the Twitter chats. Oh, nobody reminded me. I'm like, really? The 27 tweets I sent out today. None of them like <laughs> gave you a light bulb that oh maybe tonight's the chat. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't give you, I didn't tweet. Hey, Julie. (laughs) And to those of you who recognize yourself in this statement, I do love you. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That is true. We have other stuff to do. I don't sit around. We don't sit around all day waiting until, you know, seven o'clock Eastern time for the chat. We're, I mean, 
I still, I got stuff to put away from the camping trip yet. And I, <laughs> you know, I've got stuff to do before the chat tonight. And, Absolutely. And you have family and we have dogs and we get it. I, you know, I don't expect everyone, to, we don't expect everyone to be there every time either Absolutely. because we all yeah. have lives. That's right. That's right. But be a part of the community. But be a part of the community. Absolutely. And, and you know, the chat goes on well after we end. Yeah. How you know, we have folks from India. Um, God bless those people in Europe who are showing up at two or three o'clock in the, in morning. the morning. Yep. Yep. But you know, it's it's creating that it's that community that it doesn't end just because mm-hmm. it ends, the community doesn't end. And That's so right. I, you know, I encourage everyone to reach out. Be part of it. Be part of it. Reach out and and join us on Twitter. And if you don't like Twitter, join us on LinkedIn. You know, I love to figure out how to have a a good conversation on LinkedIn. Oh, that would be, wouldn't that be fun? It would be. It would be. If only LinkedIn would give LinkedIn live to everybody. Yeah. Just saying LinkedIn. Hey, hey. Julie and I will do it. Follow. about talent acquisition from from the perspective of where you specialize in the medical field now i i do talent acquisition in tech and i know i have my challenges with talent acquisition in tech and i want people our audience to understand that recruitment is not the same for every profession it takes a special kind of person to recruit certain people I recruit introverts. <laughs> That's what developers are. They are. Developers are introverts. I recruit no. introverts. And I am, I want to say over time, over the last seven years, I have developed the art of recruiting people who don't want to be recruited. <laughs> Please don't talk to me, those folks. Yeah. You know? In the medical profession, who are you recruiting? What does that look like? And what are your challenges, my friend? Oh my gosh, Um, everybody. (laughs) Uh, We do, I mean, so that's the thing about healthcare that people forget. Because you will go, I've I've gone to so many job fairs where people were standing there, people like, oh, you're just hiring doctors and nurses. No, I'm not a doctor or a nurse. Um, the other feedback I would, I got every once in a while is, oh, how can you recruit nurses? You're not a nurse. Right. They've oh, already, you, you've already you. the, well, they've already made the decision to be a nurse. I'm not recruiting them to nursing school. Right. I'm talking them into my location. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, one of the challenges with healthcare is we, we do, we have to recruit everybody. Um, where I am now, we do specialize a little bit just because of our size. So you might be focused on a region or you might be focused on um, a a, a specific um, job category. So Mm -hmm. when I first started, I had finance, HR, finance, HR, marketing, research, our research department, that's fascinating stuff. Oh my God. so those were my big areas when I first started. I had a couple of other smaller, smaller departments. Uh-huh. Um, and then I had the opportunity to go into clinical. Um, so I moved over to clinical recruitment. And I 
very much specialized into um, nursing staff for outpatient departments in one region. Mm. So I was recruiting um, RNs, LPNs, um, medical assistants, mm -hmm. um, supervisors. Right. And that was it. So extremely narrow focused on that. Yes. Um, and very hard to fill because we don't have a lot. There's not a lot of LPNs out there. A lot of LPN or sometimes they're called an LVN. What's, um, what is that acronym? Um, oh, sure. Sorry. LPN is a licensed practitioner, pra licensed practical nurse. Okay. Um, and so they're a step down from an RN. Okay. So they don't, um, they likely won't do as much diagnosing where RNs can okay. do some diagnosing. They can't do a lot, but some. Right. Um, mm -hmm. There's certain medications that they wouldn't be able to administer. Okay. Um, and they likely won't talk to you about prescriptions. Those will likely okay. come from either the doctor or the, the RN, um, RN or the pra nurse practitioner that, you know, that level and higher. Um, right. So the RN can't, the kind of the difference between an, the RN level is they can't prescribe medications. They can administer okay. some. So there's all these little layers in this. Levels, yes. All yes. these levels. And, um, and it's interesting because I've been in healthcare for so long. Um, I can right. remember when there was a huge push for, for a while to do away with that LPN level. So they okay. were encouraging LPNs to go get your RN. Go, go be a registered nurse. We'll help you cover it. We'll help you pay for it. And we were going to staff with RNs and then like medical assistants. Okay. Well, come to find out, you know, <laughs> you don't want to pay someone RN wages to take vitals and put somebody in a room. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So the model has changed. The recommendations are changing, which is, I mean, it's fine, but right. it at a new challenge because how yeah. do you convince people to stay at this this middle level now? Because we've spent right. a lot of time and energy talking people into it, talking the schools into creating programs. Wow. <laughs> so the schools, it's in their best interest to encourage yes. students to move on. Um, so we're doing some interesting things with, um, we're providing like a, a loan repayment sponsorship type program for students. Okay. Um, so not international. Um, but so helping okay. students, you know, we're going to give you money to go to school and then you're going to work for us for a couple, for a few years. Um, we're also working with some online programs on those entry of uh, entry, entry level positions. So like a mm -hmm. medical assistant and a, a certified nurse aid position. So getting mm -hmm. them certified at that level, asking them to mm -hmm. work for a few years, and then we can help them move up too. So giving right. them that career path. And I think that's mm -hmm. one of the things that's been missing from healthcare for a long time. Um, it's very, it's an obvious career path that you could move from medical assistant to you know, nurse practitioner, physician right. assistant, but we haven't articulated it well, in my opinion. And so okay. we're getting better at that, helping people kind of right. see, help, help them see that career path to okay. where you could go and how to get there. So, you know, you could start, you know, most um, like chief nursing officers I know started as a CNA. Okay. So a CNA and a CNA is what? A certified nursing assistant. Okay. Good. So a certified nursing assistant is going to work in long-term care or in hospitals in patient settings, uh -huh. where a, okay. a certified medical assistant is going to work in the ambulatory outpatient side. 
Ah. And I won't okay. go into the story of why there's two different ones. It's, one, it's yeah. crazy, mixed up. Um, and it's long, it's long before hospitals and, and clinics kind of merged together to have like a healthcare okay. center, um, okay. which is really kind of the future, at least of healthcare in America, is one-stop right. shopping. Okay. And especially now that you can get it online. Mm. That is growing and just booming with, um, since COVID, uh -huh. you can, you know, you can do, essentially you could do pretty much most of your well visit. Online. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, if you're not, or if you just want to talk to a doctor briefly and say, should I come in? You know, you can have those conversations now, which is kind of cool. Right. Which is amazing. Kind of cool. Yeah. 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 So there's time from being in the waiting room. Right. You know, I, that's one of the things that it's, that's always been, I, we were doing some training at one of my past organizations and they were like, why do we have a room just for waiting? Why aren't we moving people quicker? Why aren't we understanding what our process is a lot better rather than having people come and wait, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's recruiting for healthcare is interesting because it, you could be very, very broad where, you know, I'm recruiting for recruiters and techs and developers, or I'm recruiting for skilled trades because yes. plumbers and electricians and all of that. Carpenters, too. Absolutely. You know, um, or we're, may, we've got people that focus strictly on um, those entry level food service and um, environmental service. Yeah. People, people that recruit C suite only. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've got our executive team, recruit team. And then oh, we won't go down the road of physician recruitment because that's a different animal altogether. And wow. I've never done it. I don't really want to do it. Okay. Um, it's just, it's different. It's yes. So even different in animal. talent management, even in, in recruiting and talent development, you have your own functions that are separate and distinct yeah. and your specializations as well. So, yeah. you know, um, it's, this is the one conversation that I love to have about HR, how wide and vast HR is. Yeah. And that just because you could be a generalist, and that's all fine and well. But mm -hmm. the minute you decide to specialize and you realize how awesome your specialty could be and how mm -hmm. you could make that one thing great versus doing a whole bunch of stuff when yeah. you specialize. Yeah, I, I do. I, that's my preference. And I get, I, I know there are people out there that love and thrive in that department of one or that department. Yeah five where you are doing everything mm -hmm. um but you know john and i talk about it i don't want to do employee relations no. anymore mm -hmm. i you know oh you just see the worst of humanity and you don't you know and a lot of times it's people who they made a mistake and they know they made a mistake and they feel bad about it i mean that's been my experience with it is they feel bad about it and yeah. but i still i mean i still have i have to punish you i have to put the i have to write you up. I have to, yeah. this, is called, this is an official verbal warning. It's going to be in your file forever and ever and ever. And I'm just like, it's the suckiest part. <sighs> yeah, I, I honestly, don't, me. That, yeah, I, it's very emotionally draining. Yeah, it, it is. And I actually saw the people that do it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for blessing me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's so funny because I saw a uh, the, one of the group chats that I'm in, 
uh, with a bunch of HR professionals on WhatsApp. And yesterday, someone posted a, I guess you call it like an art, like a, they posted a sticker with, you know, HR is the judge, the jury, and the hangman. And I started this discussion about, I don't believe we're the hangmen. I think that employees hang themselves or the manager hangs the employee. But it's not, I don't believe that HR hangs the employee. If anything, at best with a funeral director, we put the person, we're at the end of the process when you were putting you through the door or down in the grave or whatever the case may be. already done the you've already hung right. yourself killed yourself whatever the case may be you've already done that to yourself if you are at fault or your manager has done it for you if they have not managed you properly and you know we can't get to a stage where we push back as judge to right. say to the manager look this isn't right this person shouldn't go if we can't get that done then we bury the person but i don't yeah. think we're the hangman. And I think a lot of, uh, so many people in that chat disagreed with me yesterday, but I don't think they, um, I don't know if I articulated myself properly. I always put it down to, did you communicate it properly, Julie? I will judge okay. myself for. I do that too. I'm like, am I explaining this correctly? I feel, like, I feel like it was pretty self-explanatory. If you're calling me the hangman, I'm the person who is pulling the rope and, and, you know, ending you yeah i would agree with that you've done that yourself already or your manager has done that for you what i am is the person who just puts you out the pasture i would i would agree i would say hr is likely the the uh or the hiring manager is likely the the hangman we're we're probably more like the judge yes you know judge jury type i like that analysis i could understand that well, because we're the ones that, you know, the, the hiring manager comes to us to tell us what happened and what they want to do. And then we have to look at precedent and decide, does the, fun, the, the punishment, <laughs> does the punishment fit the crime? Does, does what, you know, you want to fire this person um, for, you know, why? Um, what's your reasoning? What, what's your backup with, you know, come on, a hiring manager, lawyer, give us, give me your arguments and yeah. tell me why we should. Um, and then looking, we have to look at precedents. We have to look at the law. We have to look at all those things to decide, do you, does this warrant it? Um, but, you know, typically HR shouldn't be the one pulling the lever anyway. That should, yeah. it, it needs, the final decision rests with someone else. Absolutely. Um, you know, and at least that's been in my experience that HR makes the recommendation. Mm-hmm. HR says, this is what I think you should do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it comes down to the hiring manager and the hiring manager should be delivering that message, not HR. Now, see, when I said that yesterday, a whole bunch of people jumped upon me and go, HR does it. And I said, my challenge to HR professionals is you got to put the hiring manager in the position so they know how it feels. Yeah. Even if you are the person who have, if, you've been, if that has been your past experience, don't make it your continuous experience and don't make it your future. Yes. Let the hiring manager be accountable for that termination. You've made that decision. You want to let that person go. Here's all the reasons why you yeah. want to let that person go. HR has to do their part in order to give final documents, final calculations and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, the hiring manager should know how that feels. 
I believe that. And and they need to be accountable to their decisions. Yes. That's, I think that's where HR gets a, a, a lot of the bad rap. And, and yeah. you know, especially from a talent acquisition, we'll bring it back to talent acquisition. Yes, from yes. Acquisition standpoint, we get it all the time. Um, and, and I'm working on a post now about this. It's just like, we didn't write the job description. <laughs> Recruiters do not write the job description. We do not. You know, Katrina Kibben will say this, and I agree with her. We're horrible at writing postings too. But we have qualifications and we might not agree with them, but we have to follow them. So yeah. if for whatever reason, they, the hiring manager wants a master's degree and 10 years of experience, and you have a bachelor's degree with seven years of experience, you don't qualify and we shouldn't consider you. And that's nepotism. Hmm. Um, (laughs) Not exactly nepotism, but that's where, you know, that's where people, and and they blame HR. Oh, HR is holding me back. HR is, no, we're holding the hiring manager accountable to the the requirements that they said they need. Yes. And if you have less than that, then they need to go back and relook at their job description. And maybe everything's fine. Maybe it won't change the salary range. Maybe, you know, those things won't happen. But I have worked places where, well, if it's not, if a bachelor's degree isn't required, then you need to knock five grand off the pay range, mm-hmm. which I mean, and, yeah, I have a bachelor's degree. I don't know why. <laughs> you know, let's be honest. Let's yeah. be honest about it. We all went to school because we were told you have to have a bachelor's, bachelor's degree to get a good job. Mm-hmm. But what, what does that bachelor's degree that I got 30 years ago tell you about who I am today, today. and what I can do today? nothing. And what does it tell you about the person that even, even the person that just comes out of school? Yes. Do they, you know, do they still know? No. You know, now my English degree probably does help me more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some of those other degrees do. But, you know, I think about like mechanical engineering because I did, I hired engineers for a while. Mm-hmm. How in, mechanical engineering has got to have changed from the time, from 30 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, I know there's certifications and license, so you're keeping up to date and all of that. Mm-hmm. But does that bachelor's degree 30 years ago or even a master's degree 20 years ago still have validity now? Does it still have validity now? And does it still does it say who you are now? Yeah. And did you and get where you are now based on the knowledge from that degree? Right. You know, because- and it's, oh, this is this is my new like wild idea that we yeah. need to and I'm not the only one, but no, you're not just scrap that altogether. Scrap paying people based on their years of experience. And let's start doing true skills assessments. Yes. You hire somebody mm-hmm. um, to know, can they do this job? Not personality assessments. No, 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 no. True skill assessments. There's not a lot out there that are great. <laughs> Yeah. I have seen a lot anyway, but you know, how can we get at the heart of this is what I need this job to do. Right. I need an accountant who can do X, Y, Z. I need a researcher who can do X, Y, Z. Yeah. Um, right now we're like, well, usually people have a master's degree and they have at least seven years of experience. So that's what I'm going to put in it. And if you have 10 years of experience then I'm going to pay you a little bit more. Hmm. So I think we've, you know, we've, we've mashed up this years of experience and education with pay. Yes. Which, uh, I have, and we're not taking into consideration the skills or the attitude right. of the person. Right. And what are, what are we bringing into the role rather than, you know, looking at, well, this is what you did. And that's where we get stuck too, because a lot of the times 
and I, I fall, this happens to me all the time. Uh-huh. A hard, I haven't been able to get like a, a manager or a director level position because I've never been a quote manager or, manager or a director. So they won't even consider me for those roles. I get turned down for senior level roles because I've never had a senior title. I've been doing this for 20 years. Seriously? <laughs> but exactly. I don't have a senior title. So I get turned down. And, and, you know, I, these are assumptions on my part because we do also do a terrible job of telling people why they weren't selected. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because we let an ATS system do it for us. Well, again, we're, do, what we're doing, because I have never used an ATS that does that. Okay. In 20 years, people tell me that ATSs do this. I'm like, I've never done it. I've never had one. I've had to touch every single resume. Even if this is someone that I know we're never going to hire and they've applied 25 times and we're not going to hire them because they were fired two years ago. Right. I still have to touch their application every time. You can't just kick them out. No. So. But again, like I said, what we're, what I'm looking for is, okay, you have this education, you have this amount of experience, therefore I can look at you. Yes. Other thing that people forget too, and I know this, HR people, if there's one HR opening, there's 30 applications. Yep. Overnight. Overnight. Mm-hmm. And as an HR professional, I can't interview you all. No. I have, and I have 30 applications of people who meet the qualifications. Let's not talk about the other 30 that don't. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so just because you meet the qualifications doesn't mean I'm going to interview you or contact you because I'm going to start with the first 10. Yes. Is that right? No. I, is it, well, is it fair? That's probably a better way to put it. Is it yeah. fair? Probably not, but I can't, you can't interview 30 people. And if I don't have any other way to assess you, Oh. served. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you made, you talked, you made some very interesting points there. And as you were talking, I was kind of thinking through some of the things that you said. And one of the things that I, um, like the organization that I'm with now, um, has been a constant conversation for me with them is why am I asking a candidate to jump through all of these hoops when they clearly state that they have this experience? I can see from, the functional test that they have the skills and they can get the work done. Why am I asking for this degree, which probably now is so outdated because the technology that we're working with now does not exist anymore or is we've moved on. So even like from a tech space, I feel like um, when we ask people for that university degree, the technology that they're working with at the level that they did that degree, when they come into the world of work, the technology has moved on hours ago. Oh, yeah, you're exactly constantly evolving. How can you validate a candidate based on that degree when they were doing C++? Who uses that? You know what I mean? So like, oh yeah. You know, you, you, cause you, you know, I learned word processing on word. Perfect. Mm-hmm. What Does is that? Exist? No, definitely not. <laughs> you know, and who, we're now in the age of Google. We're in Google, you know, we're in Google and it's, and I, you know, I had conversations with my girls about it too, because, you know, when we went to school, it was about mem- memorization and how quickly can you get those facts back to somebody? And can yeah. you, can you, you know, what year did all these things happen? Mm-hmm. And it was important then because it was hard to find. Yes. You know, it wasn't easily accessible. 
Mm -hmm. Well, now you can find things, you know, I, I'm not going to say it because my phone's right here, but you know, you say, Hey, ask your question and boom, she's there giving you, giving you sites. And, um, you know, I'm going to get on my, my little, um, new math, um, (laughs) (laughs) box because people don't like it and they don't like it because it's different than how we law, how we learn. Mm -hmm. It's different because they're not learning how to memorize facts. No, not just memorizing factoids. What they're doing is learning why the math works. Mm-hmm. Why 10 times 10 is 100 and not just being able to, to spit it back to you. I got to spend time in my oldest daughter's fourth grade math class when they were learning fractions. Blew my mind. Yes. Out of one class going, I understand fractions. Nothing. I learned nothing in school other than this rote memorization that's gone now. Yes. And I'm like, it is, it's useful. And people are like, oh, well, you know, they need to figure it out. I'm like, no, they don't. No. Why, who's going to be quizzing you on your two, two multiplication table when you're 40 years old? Nobody. But you're teaching that. <laughs> yes. But it's, we don't, we don't have to be the fastest being the fastest doesn't mean you're the best. Yeah. Sorry, Ken Jennings and Jeopardy. But just because you can answer the question first doesn't mean you're the smartest person in no, the room. Does not. Does not. Because some people... So that's my, that's my little new math soapbox. I, get all of them. I'm like, you guys, you're, you're just mad because it's different. Yes. And we have to stop getting mad at things that are different. Mm-hmm. Stop shaking our canes at the kids playing on our front yard. You know? Yeah. We let's evolve because mm-hmm. you know, Hey, when we were in fourth grade, no, you weren't carrying a calculator around with you all the time. No, nope. you are. Yep. Absolutely. Now you are. So Wendy, we could talk. That's my, we could, <laughs> talk, that goes, we could talk talent. Oh, we could. And I think that's, but that's the whole point. Zombie. The world is different. Yeah. And so we shouldn't be doing, shouldn't be doing old math in a new math world. We shouldn't be recruiting in an old way yes. because we haven't changed recruitment all that much. No, we haven't. Process is still pretty much the same. And it's, mm-hmm. it's time for us to look at something different. It's, it's time to do something different. The world is different. And I mean, heck people probably, you know, a few years, are we still going to be going to brick and mortar schools in a few years? Who knows? Good Who knows? I hope so. I mean, there's a lot of experience <laughs> in that. I hope there's some of that. There's yeah. face-to-face is still really important. As much as I love that you and I can connect this way, I still want to meet you in person. Yeah, absolutely. I get you. I, I, feel, <laughs> I feel the same way, but I feel like as time goes by, what I want to see now is, can we move from the stage of flying everywhere to, can we really get trekkie and start oh, teleporting? Yes. Like, Oh my God. Where is my flying car? Can I just say that? I don't know where it is. And this is 2020, 2020. It's 2020. Why do I... Ooh, that's oh, well, that is the ultimate prank 2020 is playing on us that we don't have our flying cars yet. We don't, and it's not cool at all. <laughs> <laughs> I want my flying car, dang it. Yes. Instead I, of airports, I want a teleport. Yes. Go to the teleport, mm-hmm. plug in where I want to go, instead of sitting in an airplane for eight hours. Yes. Ooh, I bet I could get my husband to travel then. Ooh. Because he likes to be other places. He doesn't like getting to other places. 
home from other places. I mean, his favorite part of Disney World is we didn't rent a car and they picked us up at the airport and took us to the hotel and we didn't have to drive anywhere. That was his favorite part. Wow. Wow, Wendy. I hope that we can sort your husband out. I can travel by myself. He's good with that. So any t- any techies listening on? Yes. We need a teleporter. We need a teleport. We need a teleport. Instead of an airport, we need a teleport so that we mm-hmm. can fucking where we want to go. Get in. Be there. Yeah. I'd no pay for that. Time. I yeah. I think it's time. It's beyond time. 2020 played the biggest trick on us. I think 2021. We need teleporting, please. Something. Someone. We yeah. need something. Stop with the stop with the cars. Yeah. The asphalt. Yep. Gosh, it would, it would be so nice to travel in the winter because I wouldn't have to worry about ice and snow. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Driving in an ice storm is the worst. Mm. I've never done that, but I've driven through fog. I hated it. I've driven through, I've driven on black ice. Didn't Ooh. like that. No, black ice is not fun. Black ice is the worst. Yeah. yeah. No. So I have a 45 minute commute and I drove home through an ice storm. I had to stop twice to get ice off my car so I could see. Wow. It was it was freezing faster than I could, my wipers could take it off, so. Okay, so I know what time Those of the year fun. I am not visiting you. No, don't, no, no, no. Come okay. in the fall, come in the fall. Cool. <laughs> fall is beautiful. Wonderful. Yeah. October, November, December. Just, I, I know December's technically winter, but it's usually still nice. Okay, cool, <laughs> note to self, noted. Can you tell our audience what are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think they should be reading or watching and listening to so they can become better HR pros? Oh, okay. Well, first, um, so you want to talk about race and, oh, I have, um, oh, yes. I, I, I am listening to that right now. Um, I'm pulling up my audible Good. Uh, and I will, I will butcher her name. So I am, uh, terrible. I'm going to be mad at myself. Yes. Ujioma Olu, mm-hmm. um, it is, it, it, it is just, it's fantastic. It is challenging me and I've read several and that's kind of my journey to, mm-hmm. um, as, as someone who's grown up in a teeny, tiny, tiny, small town living in South Dakota, right? Most of, you know, most of my friends have, have been white. I just, I don't have, haven't had that exposure. So working on that on myself, um, but trying to do more reading, um, and, and getting, you know, getting out there. So, um, you know, so you want to talk about race has really been, has been eye-opening for me. And okay. I just finished her chapter on privilege, which was, it was, it was interesting because I had read, I had listened to Obama, Michelle Obama's book yes. and coming. which is oh, becoming, which is, oh, so yeah. wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was times that I found myself listening to her. I'm like, here's this poor girl in, from Chicago, poor black girl from Chicago, but she went to Paris when she was in high school mm-hmm. uh, on a high school trip. And she went to an Ivy league school and you didn't do that in my hometown. Okay. People, didn't, people, you didn't go to Europe. You didn't right. go to an Ivy league school. Right. But there's just, you know, that it's a different it's a different privilege of growing up in a city like Chicago, where you can walk to art museums or take a bus or take a train to art museums right. to where I am. And it's a four hour drive to the nearest art museum. Wow. It's, it's a, it was, it was a three hour drive to the nearest airport. 
So it's just, it's a different level. And, and this is not to say, woe is me. It's just a different level, different privilege yeah. that she yeah. had versus what I had. Mm -hmm. um, had I been in, grown up in Chicago, you know, I'm sure I would have done all of those things all as well. All those things, yeah. But then in moving into different cities, you know, I never, and I, you know, probably did things that I shouldn't have, but as, as a white girl knew I could walk down the street and pretty much be safe, you know, lots right. of things that it's just a different privilege. And yeah. that was one of the things that Ijeoma talked about in her privilege chapter about mm -hmm. her, the privileges that she had that, you know, well, she did go get a bachelor's degree and she was seen as a good kid in school. So she, mm -hmm. they pushed her along. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's sad how kids get typecast in elementary school. Yeah. And they don't get to change. You don't get to go out of that shell. And yeah. the smaller the school, the, the more you're in that box. Mm -hmm. um, and you can't be somebody different because everybody knows you as this. Um, so, you, you know, and in a small town, you don't get to go to another school to be somebody different either. You're yeah. just, you're in, you're I was with the same people from kindergarten to high school. Wow. You know, mm -hmm. um, all 26 of us. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. I understood. So um, it's, it's just, it's just different. And it's, um, it, it's helping me to kind of, uh, help articulate my own privilege that I've seen, um, and, and those, those opportunities that, that I had that I didn't see right. things that I don't have to worry about. Um, and, and, and it doesn't mean my life was easy. It doesn't yeah. mean that I didn't have struggles because, you know, I, my parents made just enough money that we didn't qualify for financial aid, you know, so we got loans, but we could pay them back. Mm -hmm. You know, all those things where it's, it's looking back and seeing those, um, those little blessings and knowing that some of them were a privilege. Yes. And, and trying to help my daughters see that too. Um, uh, our town is not as white, which is good because we're a university community. So they do see, see other um different traditions and ethnicities okay. our neighbors our, our neighbors are are indian so we get all that yummy food smell all the time ah, i get it i got need it. to go make friends with them um just for yeah. their food <laughs> that can't be the only reason wendy <laughs> i know they're very lovely people but they they are they they stay pretty much to themselves we stay that my husband is and we are very introverted and it's like i'm home I yeah, <laughs> I totally, I totally get you. I understand what you're trying to say. So yeah, and it's you know, sharing that. Yeah, so it's yeah, so I highly recommend um, that book and or following her on Twitter. Um, yeah. I've learned a lot from following her on Twitter too. So. Okay, so we will share those links yes. in the comments on this podcast. So that the audience will get to benefit. Yeah. My last question to you, Ms. Wendy. What is the biggest misconception about HR that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right now? Oh, golly. Picking one. Um. <laughs> I know. It's the challenge I give everyone and, at the end of it all. I go, yes, you must use capacity brain. Think. Love it. <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think the biggest misconception is is that we're all the same, mm. that, that we are all the, uh, the policy police that, you know, we're, we're in a stereotype, um, 
it was uh, oh the unbreakable Kimmy uh, unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt uh, mm -hmm. um, where Titus goes to talk to some company and he asks to see Linda in HR oh. and five women show up and they all have their cardigans on and their you know the little bows and all of that and I just roared I was just like oh my god if that is not the stereotypical HR yes um, but I think the cool thing about HR now is people are choosing it as a profession there's yeah. a lot of us um uh, of my generation who we fell into it it just happened it's yeah you know, but he said hey you'd be good at this job mm -hmm. wasn't something that we aspired to but no. now that people are aspiring to it Yes. Now that people are choosing it as a career mm -hmm. um, and, and that colleges have recognized it as a career and are creating yeah. that, that line, I think that's going to change. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, people don't, I, I don't, the good HR practitioners don't get into HR just because they love people. No. It, it's more of a way to, to help people, um, you know, in, in some way, shape or form, you are helping Yes. Um, and I say, you know, I, there's a, I like helping people and there's a reason I work in HR in healthcare, mm -hmm. um, because I don't do the blood side of no. people. <laughs> I do the paper side of people. Yes. Um, I like to get the right people in front of the people that need help. Yes. So I want to help get that, get the right people there. So mm -hmm. we have the right team to provide the best care. Um, and so I think as, as more HR professionals kind of go down that road, I think we will get away from, you know, those people. And, and I know there's some folks and I love them dearly, but they're like, I wrote a 70 page employee handbook. I was like, do we really need a 70 page employee handbook? Mm, no. We need, in HR, and it's, you know, there's a lot of those, those similarities where we have to follow the rules. And we've talked about that today too, yeah. where we're, we're just, we're following the instructions that were given to us. Absolutely. But more of us are pushing back mm -hmm. and more of us want to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, and one of the, the last, uh, one of the hospitals I worked for, we helped, I helped with, um, uh, um, like joint commission and um, federal and state reviews. They'd come mm -hmm. in and make sure you were doing everything right. Um, and most of the time they're looking at your policies and they're making sure you follow your own policies. Yes. And, you know, so we, people would come in and they'd be like, oh, we have to do this because the state says so, or we have to do this because like, no, no, we have to do this because it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. To document what goes on with the patient so that the next, not the next nurse, but the following nurse knows what happened. So the mm -hmm. doctor knows what happened. Yes. It's the right thing to do for the patient. It's not, we're not telling you to do that because we want to make you miserable. No. You know, and I think there's a lot of HR people out there too. You know, we're, we're not telling you no, because we don't like you or because mm -hmm. we, you know, we don't want to change the dress code. Right. We're trying to keep us compliant and teaching you. And so I think a lot of it is just the way we come at things. So I, I, I see that changing for a lot of folks in HR. And so I hope it continues. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope it continues down that road so that we get away from this idea that we're just the, the policy police and the party planners. <laughs> yes. yes, I agree with you 100%. Thank you so much for sharing that. Where can these beautiful people find you on social media, Wendy? Oh, Twitter. Please find me on Twitter. That's the yes. easiest way. Um, and once we're connected on Twitter, then connect with me on LinkedIn. I rarely turn people down on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. but 
my preference is, is Twitter. That's where I spend most of my time. Yeah. Um, and I am uh, Wendell, W-Y-N-D-A-L-L-9-3. Nice. I will share that in the comments as well. Today is 23rd of August, 2020, which means today is HR Social Hour chat. Yes, yeah. it is. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, so the cool. second and fourth Sunday, please join us on Twitter. Mm -hmm. um, we try to put the questions out about a week in advance. So you have an idea of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, but we have fun. We will never talk about ADA. We will never talk about FMLA. We will, we, we don't talk about those things. We, mm -hmm. we try to keep it light. Nice. Love it. And with that, Wendy Daly, you have survived your time. <laughs> You survived your time with me. I feel like uh, I got on my soapboxes today. <laughs> I am glad that I could be the avenue for your soapboxes. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Wendy. We wish you all the best. And I am sure that we will be having a conversation some other time in the future. But until then, that's it for today. <laughs> Thank you for joining us in the sound booth today. I hope that you found this information from this episode useful. You can find me on all social media platforms at I am Julie Turney. That's I am Julie Turney. And you can find this episode or this show on most digital platforms, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, you name it, we're there. Thanks to Anchor FM and Rock Solid Entertainment for helping me to put this content together for you. And I will see you again when we next sound off.